0: Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes, You're and I'm Mark Langley. Langley.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jenny. Um, it's good. It's good to be back home, and uh, yeah, we've had some good rain, and yeah, things are looking good here. So yeah, it's really good.
0: That's great. I've uh, been away for a few weeks doing some clinics down in Victoria and um, near Canberra. So it's nice to have you here for uh, now for a few few weeks ahead of us we've got some questions to get through this morning as always and from our members the first question is from Catherine she's recently acquired a five-year-old mini horse and she's wondering if you have any suggestions for helping this tiny little guy he's only about seven hands high to be more confident so he's quite confident with other horses Um, it sounds like he's spent the first few weeks uh, taking chunks out of another black horse but when she's working around with him, when she's being around him, he gets really intimidated. His eyes pop and he steps back. He's really friendly and curious if she's sitting on the ground, but he can't cope with any sudden movement. And she doesn't really have a lot of experience of mini timid minis. And the first one that she's come across that hasn't been pretty bold. We've got any suggestions for her, please.
1: The timid little minis, minis. We were just—I we had a conversation with a friend just, just actually not not long before this, uh this podcast, but um, before before recording the podcast, but uh and it was about you know Shetlands and minis and um, and a lot of a lot of them never get really good training because they're so small and cute, and they sort of end up getting, you know, and some get treated bad because people aren't frightened of them and stuff like that. So you know, obviously, a lot of people are a lot bigger around those little horses and. Uh, and, and and I guess when someone's got, a you know, 18-hand warm blood breathing down their neck, they're a bit frightened of them. But when they've got a little mini, they can sort of bully them around a little bit. So, you know, minis and shetlands get a bad name out there. And, and I, I think it's an unjustified bad name because some aren't trained as in they're so small that they can't be ridden. So they just get trained a pit like a bit of a dog. And it's like, oh, yeah, they just hang around and they never get properly educated. And others uh, can get quite intimidated by people so they become frightened and others are just you know obviously this one might might could have been intimidated by people this one could have been um could be just a, a, a an anxious horse it hasn't had a lot of handling just like any other sort of horse it, it hasn't been around people much but the biggest thing like i, I like the, the you know I, I always go back to that sort of approach and retreat the most common thing you sort of would use when you catch a nervous horse but if it's, a, if it's a nervous horse, getting it to become confident um, is so important. So, you know, the little things that you're probably already doing is that approach and retreat when you catch it and things like that. So, it's, so it sort of allows you in opposed to you just walking up and running it around until it sort of submits and putting a holder on. So, you know, you listening to it in those catching scenarios is good, but um, they're not really the things that's going to help the horse become more confident in moving and doing stuff around you. So, um one of the go-to lessons that I do with a lot of nervous horses is basically it's a leading lesson. And I walk backwards uh and I and the horse is kind of in front of me and I just lead it towards me. And as I'm leading it towards me, I might start on a longer rope, you know, maybe depending depending on the horse's bubble at that time, you know, it might be three-meter bubble between you and the horse. So you might start with a sort of a three and a half meter rope and then as you're walking backwards around a sort of a safe area, not a rocky paddock, but, you know, where you're not going to trip over. Because facing these men is, you know, you turning around and walking away from a horse is them seeing you walking away. So they get a lot of confidence to follow you because your intention is going in the opposite direction and it just looks like you're leaving. But as soon as you turn and put two eyes on them and face them, that's when they think, oh, that's the approaching, you know, human coming towards me. So Sometimes they can get a little nervous. Um, I mean, you could do a lot of lessons on the ground where you kneel, but the things with all those kneeling lessons and stuff is the horse has got to get used to approaching you while you're nice and tall and um, in, in a normal situation. Okay. So what I do is I just walk backwards, say the rope is at three and a half metres. Like I said, if the horse started to get a little tense at two metres, uh, like three or two metres, you have it on a longer rope. And you just walk backwards leading the horse and just leading and slowly and, uh, asking your mini to come a little closer as you're walking backwards slowly. So you're asking them just to lead up a little stronger until they get to a little bit of a blocky point and they sort of block a little and get a little nervous and say, that's too close. And then you just back off a little with the rope, let them let them sort of um, release that little bit of tension and then you try again and you keep movement. You, so So what you don't want to encourage in a lot of nervous horses is this stop, start, stop, start. And this is why when I handle horses now, I don't do a lot of handling with them standing still. I try and encourage soft movement and I'm all the time asking with that lead rope to move them here, move them there softly, move backwards, move forwards. So, so the horse is constantly thinking, searching and moving into a feel because the alternative to um, being worried is, you know, following a feel. So basically we're offering a horse an old education is an alternative to a horse's that freeze, shut down, you know anxiety anything so you just get the horse to come towards you as you're backing up and then you back off a little with that rope when when he hits a bit of a nervous point where he goes that's too close and then as you keep walking you keep the movement going you let him back off a little by allowing a bit of rope out saying so say for instance he got to two meters went oh that's too much then you just back the rope off a little by about 20 centimeters um and then he'll um Go oh right right I can relax again but he's still following you and then you you pull him back up that twenty odd centimeters or for if, if anyone else you could just say a foot and he'll 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 might hit another boundary where he starts to get a little nervous but it might have been two meters but the next boundary might be one hundred eighty centimeters okay so uh, each time he might get um, a little closer so um, until he gets to a point that you can nearly touch him or he's nearly going to reach out and sniff you on the hand. And you just do that in increments. So instead of doing approach and retreat, the opposite, as I say, would be approach and retreat where you're approaching the horse and at about two metres, the horse goes, oh, crikey, that's a bit much. And then you step back and then you you, you sort of come in again and then that horse might allow you a foot closer uh, each time until you've broken down that barrier till the horse will sniff you. But that's you doing all the footwork and the horse not really doing anything to, uh, to tip its own worry out. So that's why I sort of do a, an opposite of it, which is kind of the same, where I'm walking, the horse is walking, and the horse is approaching me as I'm walking backwards, but slowly getting closer, and then releasing a little to give it a little break, and then closer again until until the, the the you know the little mini can come right up and sniff you on the hand, and he's done all the footwork following you, and because you're walking backwards, you're less intimidating, and it allows him to slowly come up to you, but he's actually walking forward, thinking forward, and he's doing something to, um to rectify his anxiety and also it's going to make him engage more and also realise that And by the time also he's, he's got to sniff and he's going to lead a lot better and he starts to follow that feel a lot better. And then slowly but surely over time you'll just get him to sort of lead by. So that that lesson will, will basically be going towards you with two eyes on until he can sort of sniff out and sort of things like that. And then you get him to just lead off to the side and, and that'll be the same thing. He'll get to a point on the corner of his eye where he'll start to go, oh, that's too much. And that might be, he, he mightn't even get past your shoulder with his eye. Um, but slowly you let him off a little and then bring him back up to that point and then bring, let him off until his eye can travel past your shoulder. And you're not trying to haul him past in one go. It's the same, um, bring him up to a spot that he gets sort of nervous and tight and then just let him hold that spot for a second and then back him off a little and then come, not back him back as in you let him just ease off a little while he's walking forward and he'll back off that and then he'll come forward again until eventually his eye goes past you and his shoulder goes past you and you can rub him right down the side. That's what it'll it'll get to a stage. You can rub him right down both sides and you do that on both eyes and that's him doing something to follow a feel. It's him doing something to connect with you. It's him doing something to come past you. And, and movement is encouraged the whole time to stop that freeze and blow, freeze and blow.
0: So, while you're working on all these sorts of uh, ways to, to just help him feel better, does that mean that at the same time you wouldn't actually do any riding or anything like that that you might have been doing? You might be plonking a kid on him. Do you actually just stop doing all of that as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, see, there's a lot of little horses out there. Yeah, just whether they're big or small, they. One of the one of the things that I see so commonly and it's and it's the biggest cause of tight muscles and bracing horses is that whole shutting out sort of help that, 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 that learned helplessness of you know gazing shutting down you know shutting different variations of shutting out uh, and freezing and um, and some horror times we can smother a horse and they and those little horses just learn to freeze and it means that they can't tip their own worry out so they just hold it in and that's that freeze. So you can, you know, you can chuck kids on them, all that sort of thing. But then all of a sudden, if something goes wrong, they're, they're carrying so many, um, you know, shots of worry in the cup that, that that it's very easy to spill over. So when they go from freeze to sort of, you know, and then a truck goes by or something happens out of the blue, they get a bigger fright, which makes them sort of more dangerous. Um, so doing it this way, like I've just explained, helps them tip the worry out as they go until by the time they're beside you, they're super... You know, um, a a lot more connected with their environment, new and um, feeling more able to adjust and um, tip their own worry out.
0: Okay, and just staying on the topic with horses that are quite timid and and, uh, nervous, Stella's asked a question um, for you about getting her horses trimmed recently. So the farrier came, same farrier. And she has a number of horses, but she had to bring them into a a different barn that she normally trims them in because of yet another winter storm. And all of the horses were quite clearly really tense and edgy and were pulling away from the farrier as he was doing their feet. And she was standing there trying to do everything she could think of to calm these horses and help him get the job done. And of course, in her head was going through, what would Mark do? So... Her question is, have you got any suggestions on what she could have done to help her horses come down on a day like that?
1: Well, you'd go and make some nice uh, scones in the oven for the farrier and uh, go up and have a cup of tea and a scone for a while and enjoy watching the storm from a distance. Scones in the oven sounds a fantastic
0: idea. I like that.
1: that's probably uh you know one solution to any major problem and that's a solution that i never thought was horsemanship but um but you know being able to step away and come back later but obviously when you hire a ferry you can't do that so i um i could do that because i shoe my own horses or trim my own horses and stuff like that so I, i i could go away and come back but unfortunately with the ferry there you can't do that Um, but the farrier would have appreciated it. And, um, and, and, and basically those sort of situations, because in the question when I read that both you and the farrier were at a stage, you were probably a little stressed about the whole ordeal. And, and, and that scones and tea is always a good thing to say, let's take the stress off the situation and we'll go back calm and send it later. And, um, but that's not really going to help the horse in that situation. But if the storm goes, the horses might be quiet as well. But, um, but what I would do in that situation, now, now Stella, I know one of your horses, because I've been sort of seeing the videos of it and helping you with that one, and it already carries a lot of brace and anxiety, and obviously new environments are going to really topple that one over. So it's kind of a long-term project, and there's no easy situation. Um, now, with an uneducated horse, a fairly uneducated or nervous horse that I haven't had a lot of time to really help it, as I say, the scones and tea is sometimes a better option than... than than trying to persevere in that situation. Um, But what I would do in that situation um, is if the farrier has got a little bit of time just to stand aside and give you a little time to soften each horse individually, um, I I would do that. Um, But you've got to think about the quality of the leading and the things that you've taught those horses to understand. And you've got to always go back and look at brace in a quiet environment, you know, not, you know, and I, and I think the, the most common thing I, you Know someone said um, to me, they said, Oh, the horse is beautiful uh, at home when I do this. And I said, Oh, well, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? I can look at a painting and someone go, That's a beautiful painting, but when I look up really close, there's cracks and the paint's not very good, but at a distance, it looks beautiful. Um, and I thought, Well, it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So it's what I'm saying is some people think their horse is going beautiful in a calm environment and uh, when I look a little closer, I can see the little cracks and the, and the little bits where there's grace and anxiety and lack of understanding mm-hmm. in things, just like I can see, like, like an artist can see, um, you know, the artist didn't use good paint or the canvas was a bit ordinary or all those little things and, and then there were certain brush strokes that weren't right. Um so what, what you've got to look at is how well is your horse engaging with you and the things that you ask it in a quiet environment. And you always have to go back to that every time. And, you know, if you lower your horse's head while it's backing up and back it and forward with a slightly lowered head, if you raise its head and it's backing and it forward, is there any brace, is any resistance? Is the horse frightened? Is it engaging with you softly when you walk up to it or is it, or is it looking away a little bit every time you approach it? Is there a hardness in it? Uh, When you work back to the hip, uh, does it it suddenly shut out and freeze a little when you're at the hip? You've got to address and assess all those things because anything that you can control shouldn't put anxiety in the horse. So then the only thing that puts anxiety in the horse is the new shed in the storm. But everything that you can control, if there's any of those things that you need to use in that shed in the storm, then basically – If it creates anxiety or disconnection in your horse, then it's kind of like adding more, you're tipping more worry into it. So going back and addressing that every time is so important. Going back to the shed situation, I'd let the farrier stand to the side a little, and I would go to a tool that I know sort of helps that horse out. And it could be like one tool I do is just maybe get the horse close in hand and I just get them to back off a little, come forward a little, step over a little, just softly. And get them to sort of follow the feel of my my feel of my hand and the halter, just until they can sort of just turn all that brace and anxiety. And if I feel them get tight, I'll firm them a little and hold until they kind of let go and they release a bit of tension and they follow a feel in my hand until they're soft and supple in my hand, and I'll just let off. Um, so that's an exercise you can do with some horses that you've done a bit of that good leading work with. Sometimes you might have to just every time there's there's stormy stuff and they're gazing off and they're starting to spin out a bit, you might just distract them with a like a, hey, let go of that, and and, and maybe a slightly firmer distraction, as in not firm to sort of throw energy at them and, you know, do bad stuff to them, but what I mean is a big enough distraction. So so basically um, it's, it's like any horse, if, if, if it was looking off into the distance with a strong gaze and it was anxious and you just clicked your finger like that, um, it would... And it does. Don't you get your attention? Then, if you don't get its attention, then you might go clap a little louder, and it will go. Well, yeah, oh, you've got my attention now. So, whatever it is, yeah, has to be big enough to get their attention. Primarily, I'd like to do a soft moving lesson into feel, so the horse softens into the leading rein, uh, the leading rope. So, so you can stand there with a the ferry and then pick up a feel when it when the horse gets a little tight, and the horse will just connect into that rope, let go of that worry. So, that's my primary thing which I'd really like to fix. Um, and yeah, I just just maybe do a few little leading lessons uh, if needs be. You might have to do that, you know, a big distraction to get the horse to not think about what it's worried about. And and you have to, you just have to work on that um, and, until they're better. But as I say, go back to the drawing board and just have a look at all the things and 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 um, the the quality of what you're getting in all your interactions and little lessons that you're doing in a calm environment. But thanks, That's Deloitte. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a hard time. Sometimes when you're in those situations and just quickly before I finish that, I took a horse to Equitana. It was, was a horse I borrowed. Equitana is a horse trade show in Melbourne that that they were, that they, that they have. Um, And the first day the horse was because he was taken off his own dunghill, as they say, you know, off his own paddock. And he'd only ever been a paddock horse and, and he was only fairly green. And the first day he was like gold. He was so connected and he just felt like, oh, yeah, I'm your friend and you're my friend and you can help me in this scary Equitana environment, which was like trade stalls and everything all around the arena. And and, and it was so good. He, he went really well. I was so proud of him. But um, after sleeping the night in a stable, which he would have never slept in with all these other horses he doesn't know and probably didn't get a wink of sleep in a sense, and coming in the next day, I noticed he was quite fractured. And even though I could help him, I couldn't help him as good as the first day because it was almost like uh, the first day he was naive to the whole thing. He said, I'll follow you around. But after spending a whole night and then a part of a day in that situation, you could see the, the anxiety was getting bigger and bigger because it was almost like, is anybody going to take me home now? I'm really scared of this whole deal. And, um, and it was harder to help him. So, yeah, and there's situations like that that, that some days are easier than others and some are harder.
0: Bit of work ahead of you, Stella, but let us know how you go. So, I've also got a question from Sue, um, which is similar in along those lines, in that she's got a a new horse, a new weller gelding. She's only had him for two weeks. He's about four, and she's noticed a few braces. So one of the things that she's been getting him to do is coming up to the mounting block and he's been leading past softly. And as she stands on the block, she's been sort of following one of your mounting videos. It's worked quite well. He is standing better. But she's noticing that when she actually goes to mount and dismount, he turns his head away to the right consistently with his ears back. And he is also quite noticeably more braced on the right rein when riding. So have you got any suggestions specifically for making helping him to feel better in that mounting and dismounting?
1: Yeah. So that, 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 that is very common. I see that a lot that first of all, it starts off, like you said, backing up at the mounting block, um, they back up at the mounting block a little bit, and then you work on getting them softer, the mounting block, and then, the next bit is you put the foot in the stirrup, pull on the saddle, and they sort of disconnect and get sour and they just kind of and and so I have a story that I tell at a lot of clinics now because I guess what I try and put on a lot of situations is a human a feeling, a feeling how we'd feel. And I funny, I funny I get these little stories going on in my head and little pictures of stories. Uh, And and, in this little story, every time I walk up to a horse that I see is a bit frozen or angry or bitey when you girth it or you walk up and or does that sort of slight tip away and shows all its anger in its face. But in the start, your horse moved its feet a bit by backing up. But once they realise they're not allowed to move, then you see all this anger in their face. And I just imagine being buried in the sand by bandits in the desert, you know, in some cowboy movie. Um, and you've been buried in the sand, you've been caught by bandits, buried in the sand like they do in the desert, you know, in those movies. I've seen a movie once where these guys got buried in the sand and, and and I imagine myself buried in the sand and I see a scorpion just come out of a little bit of a hole and start walking along. And so the first thing I do when I see the scorpion is go really quiet and I stop breathing or I breathe very shallow because I don't want it to hear me and I freeze and I go super still because I don't want the scorpion because I can't move. See, I'm buried in sand, so I'm not allowed to move. I can't move. So, And then the scorpion's kind of walking. I'm hoping that it's not going to notice me. And then all of a sudden, oh, crikey, the scorpion just noticed me and it's coming straight for me. Um, and it's about to bite me on the nose. And I go, oh, crikey, this freezing and sort of shallow breathing and stuff is not working. The scorpion has noticed me. Then what's my last port of call? I don't have arms. I don't have legs. I <laughs> And I bite like crazy <laughs> trying to save myself. Uh, so, and when I walk up to a lot of horses, I see them freeze when I'm walking up because they know they've got a halter on and it's, it's, it's futile to think and move because the, the thought of acting on their thoughts is, is, is not available anymore through, through flooding uh, with different press, human pressures. So they know they're not allowed to move. So they freeze, and their breathing gets shallow. But then the one thing that a lot of horses still have that comes out in some horses is expression and, um, and, and they can move their thoughts, but they can't go towards their thoughts. So basically they stand still and they just push their thoughts away and just disconnect. Others turn around and bite and they bite when you're trying to get on, they bite when you're girthing them because they know moving, moving's is futile, but the feeling's still there. And so they do all these behaviors that are, that are a bit strange and, you know, biting's one of them. And that's the last one you get about to get on me, I'm going to bite you or I'm just going to disconnect and look away to safety and just pretend you're not there. And then, you know, put my ears back and show you how angry I am. So all those things are just the thoughts and feelings are in, in there, but the horse is unable to act on them. So they just, uh, you know, freeze and look cranky about things. Um, so that's what, what I'm seeing all the time in a lot of horses. And that's, I think, how, how we should see it, just being buried in the sand, not able to move but still able to think and feel. Um, so what, I, what you're doing at the mounting block is really good, um, is moving your horse around the mounting block softly. The reason you do that, as soon as you see a brace in a horse or anything like that where the horse is backing up saying, I don't like that, you, you ask it to move softly. And, and you keep moving it softly around you until it starts to go, I'm okay with this, I feel pretty good, and it softens into the rain. and you, you just do stop, back up, step forward, back up, step forward, all those things like that, and then, um, and then just get it walking around really softly. Um, the next thing is you put your foot in the stirrup, and you watch the horse as you put the foot in the stirrup, as soon as those thoughts start to sort of tip out to the outside a little, uh, and then the whole you see that that change, which is which you're saying when you get on, is, is you quickly take your foot out and saying, okay, I'm not going to do what you thought I was going to do, but I might just ask you to step back and step forward and interrupt that thought with something that you've taught the horse to follow, which makes it feel better, which is the feel of that inside rein as they're on the mounting block. So you just um, disperse that you, you know that anxiety by giving a horse a pathway to follow around you. And you're also saying, like, I, I, I know you're really angry at me, so I'm not going to just get on you while you're angry. And then you step away. And then you just sort of gently do that again and repeat foot in the stirrup, maybe pull on the saddle a little as soon as you see the horse, ears back looking away. You just step off. And, and it's not stepping off saying, every time you put ears back, I'm going to move away. You say, here's an alternative, and you get them to follow a feel again. And just keep repeating that until you can step on the horse and the horse is softly engaged to the inside eye. Every opportunity you get with these horses, a disconnect. um, Just put your hand around. Don't pat on them, but just put your hand on just around a bit and see if they'll sniff you every time they come back. Because usually even when you step back, when they've looked away and they go, I didn't expect that, and they'll come back to see what you're doing. Because a lot of times they're expecting us to get on, so they get angry because they know we're going to get on. But if we don't do what they expected, we interrupt that train of thought. And then we actually, sometimes they they tip out a bit of worry, and and they come back to us with a softer thought. And some horses are very thankful for that. So, well, they seem thankful. Um, And then you just keep doing that until you can step up and your horse goes, oh, well, actually it's not so bad. And then you step on and and it'd be the same uh, when you go to get off, you shift in the saddle a little, the horse gets angry or gets that same expression. And then you, you just maybe say, oh, I'm going to not, not get off. I'm going to back up and step forward. And you shift and you start to do the dismount kind of like the same as you did the mount. And, um, and yeah, just keep repeating that. Uh, also, if you really wanted to go back, walk up to your horse and and look harder at all the signs when you're walking up to it, when those little signs start of freezing and dissociating and stuff like that. And, uh, and you'll probably see a lot of other little areas where you can, you know, use a similar principle of, you know not just approach and retreat you, you do retreat a little when when the horse gets a hard thought but you offer them an alternative so they so they learn something uh, on the, in the process opposed to you tipping all the worry out without them uh, doing something for themselves
0: looking at the cracks again yeah very good thank you thank you mark thank you for the questions talk to you again soon
1: no worries thank you thanks everybody for the questions
0: You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a 7-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.